Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. I am Chris Tidball, Executive Claims Consultant with Second Look, where we routinely find our insurance clients millions of dollars. On our podcast, we showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. We believe that all of our guests have a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we will reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. Today we are joined by Tim Nee, who serves on the board of directors at Responsive Auto Insurance and is the president of Teach Insurance Resources. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Chris. Great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. So, you know, you were asked to manage claims a few years ago. As a product and marketing guy, tell us a bit about yourself and your journey into the claim space. It's certainly different, Chris. I'll tell you that. Uh, every day is a, is a bit of excitement. I mean, I started my career a long time ago in big time management consulting and bounced around to ski resorts, did a little financial services, and eventually settled on uh, insurance. And, and as you know, I started my career as a product manager with Progressive, did a similar job at Liberty, and eventually realized my calling as an entrepreneur. I, I mean, lots of people say they want to be an entrepreneur, but far fewer actually go work in small companies or, in my case, start a training company. Um, and one of our first clients was Responsive Auto. And that was about a $14 million business back in 2010. Uh, I've, I've had the pleasure to work with a business partner who's been fantastic to work with. Uh, and I started out managing products and pricing. Uh, somewhere along the line, we needed a new IT leader. And uh, and I, I I was asked to take on customer service and underwriting. And I think we took in FNOL somewhere in there. But really where we had the opportunity was that uh, we, we had an opportunity for uh, about uh, 2021 or so, our longtime and very successful claims manager was retiring, and we needed a way to figure out how to modernize our, our technology and our processes, uh, and that gave us the opportunity to do both while you know saving a little bit of money in our cost structure. Uh, so, I mean, from my perspective and my business partner's perspective, welcome to claims. And you, right. I mean, Chris, you would agree, if someone's going to start their career in claims after almost 20 years in insurance, what, uh, what better place to learn and a a protected environment than non-standard auto in South Florida. Well, of course. I mean, I, I think I probably would have stopped at ski resorts, but, you know, you obviously moved on into the more illustrious world of claims. Um, you know, so as the owner of an insurance company, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing today? Number one has to be staffing. Yeah. With an unemployment rate of three and a half, maybe four, getting the right people and getting them interested in insurance is incredibly challenging. A second part of that is we believe very strongly that this is a mentorship driven business. And so having the right people and then also helping uh, them to understand why being in the office, at least most of the time, right. is so incredibly important to their development, but also to their leadership of others. So those are two things that are pretty important. Of course, things like fraud and making sure you have enough capital, those are both incredibly important in South Florida, especially for a growing company. Oh, absolutely. So so when you get your staff on board, how do you retain them? That seems to be, you know, the, one of the challenges is, of course, finding people, but getting them on board and keeping them. How are you doing that? 
I learned from an entrepreneur in about 1996 that it was better to have a boss you liked and a job you tolerated than a boss you tolerated and a job you loved. Yeah, when I heard sense. that the first time, I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. And in the ensuing not quite 30 years, I've learned it firsthand from, from myself, and I see it every day in the people who work for us. If you create a great place to work, excellent people will be willing to work there. It doesn't hurt that we also pay them well. Right. We offer all the benefits that a, a big company would offer. And we also challenge our people. We, we give them opportunities to prove their own intelligence. And the last part about it is we're not a place with a lot of unpleasantness. Um, we, we try to make sure that even when folks aren't performing great, we treat them well on the way out, just as we would want to treat them well on the way in. Yeah, no, that make that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, people are our most important assets in, in really any business, right? Um, so, you know, one of the things that makes South Florida very unique is the element of fraud that's down there. So, so you have a you know a very unique insurance market. Um, you know, a lot of challenges. I mean, there's the fraud, there's the body shop games, there's the attorneys. How is it that you've been so successful in that market down there? Well, the reality, Chris, is we're successful. We're not always successful. <laughs> I like to remind people that the 72 Dolphins or whatever it is went undefeated, but right. nobody's done that since. And <laughs> just, just likewise in South Florida, we think we have a lot of wins, but we're never going to go undefeated. And certainly the other side has its victory dances as well. I mean, as anyone who spent five minutes in South Florida knows, it, the place has a spice all its own. Hopefully that's a good spice. And occasionally it's less than a great uh, experience. Fraud, of course, as you pointed out, being the most pervasive issue, particularly in auto insurance. But let's be fair. In a lot of industries, uh, uh, that's the situation, whether it's insurance or otherwise. And so we've got that issue in, in uh, things that relate to our applicants, things that relate to our claimants, to our medical providers or our lawyers. I mean, heck, sometimes it even happens with our own employees. And so you combine that set of issues with the general environment that hopefully is getting better in Florida around uh, excessive litigiousness over ridiculous issues and small amounts of money. And I would go back to saying the insurance industry never stops giving new and interesting stories about uh, a scam. Uh, and there's certainly never a dull moment. Well, very, very true. I mean, fraud, you know, fraud is a it's a big problem. I mean, it's a problem all over the country, but you get into places like Miami, you know, there's everyone seems to have their stories. Right. And I've got to believe you've got a great story you could share with us. Uh, we've probably got a few. Um, I would say it, it's hard to zero in on any one story, but I'll give you two things. But first, I want to differentiate. We, if you learn uh, anything in, in insurance, it's that you have to differentiate uh, uh, among things. I'm going to separate the concept of a scam from a fraud. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a common scam, and then I'll give you a little bit of a fraud. A very common scam, and you referred to this earlier, comes in the form of a tow truck operator showing at the scene of an accident telling the person whose car has just been damaged, I'll take your vehicle to a reputable place and I'll take care of you. Oftentimes associated with the phrase, don't worry, I'm your guy. <laughs> right. That's usually the sign right there that you should not just walk, but run as far away as you can from that tow truck operator. And then through some sleight of hand, that vehicle is essentially auctioned 
uh, to the body shop that'll pay the tow truck operator the most cash. The customer probably thinks that's a tow yard, which is a regulated entity, but all of a sudden the vehicle ends up not at a tow yard, but at a body shop. And the body shop then charges the customer outrageous fees, not just to park the vehicle, but sometimes it's, a, it's an environmental assessment fee. I've seen COVID cleaning fees on vehicles that are so heavily damaged, you couldn't possibly get the doors open to clean anything inside. As much as the human brain can come up with for uh, ways of, of, of uh, putting fee into something, uh, certainly the tow truck operator can make even Spirit Airlines blush on what a fee could be and how much that fee could be. And then at the end of the day, I've seen a thousand or $2,000 in you know, a car that's been stored for 36 to 48 hours. I, I would argue it's it's absolutely crazy. It needs to end. And certainly to the average consumer, it borders on what should be criminal activity. The yeah. second one is, is probably what you, you find more of, right, Chris? It's just fraud. It's just the very common scam is who someone is, where they live, their driving record, or, or you know something else that's going on. My favorite ones are the ones where uh, uh, your agent and or your consumer manipulate all the different possible names that a human being can have to try to bamboozle the IT system into not finding somebody's driving record or their loss history or their credit score or whatever else the insurance company might need in order to accurately rate that policy. And that's pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge. I mean, you know, top, top to bottom. And I mean, you guys, you guys see things in, in South Florida that outside of a few large, you know, big cities around the country, don't really come across it all that much. Um, Usually in most of the country, Chris, the concept of being a professional runner is reserved for experts at moving their body about 100 yards on a timed course, 100 meters on a timed course at a time. In right. South Florida, a professional runner is somebody who acquires uh, illicit insurance-related business for a medical provider or a lawyer. Yeah. And most Americans don't realize that it's not, you know, it's not something we encounter in most uh, uh, of our country, thankfully. No, no, definitely. But you know what? We all end up paying for it at the end of the day with, you know, higher premiums. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the toughest part about any of these scams is that they impact an individual immediately. But what they really do is gradually double or triple that inflation rate that impacts so many of us. And it's frankly made the price of insurance unaffordable in Florida. And as a result, it's made the price of having an automobile and certainly having homeowners insurance absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I just got a bill for my golf cart and it's almost a thousand dollars in insurance. Insane. We have we've you know, you asked earlier about what our biggest challenge is. One of our challenges is getting great people to stay. Oftentimes those people want to stay, and oftentimes they will provided we allow them to live one or two hours away from our area so that they can live in a place that's vastly less expensive than right. Broward or Dade counties, oftentimes driven by the cost of housing. And of course, as anybody knows in South Florida, between property taxes and property insurance, those right. two things are making the whole place unaffordable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the insurance industry, keep it keeps changing. It keeps evolving. I mean, Florida, really everywhere. You know, everyone's got their challenges. We, of course, have our own share down here. 
you know, how do you see the insurance industry evolving over the next five to 10 years? Well, there's going to be a couple of changes. One is demographic. We're watching as those Americans who grew up on the independent agent as a shopping tool gradually migrate out of society and are replaced by people your children's age and my children's age who grew up never wanting to talk to a human on any topic, let alone on the topic of insurance. And they, they're more used to using technology as that interface rather than a human. And that's driving massive changes in the distribution models of major carriers. To the major carrier's benefit, that's a good thing because for about 10 or 15 years, you've had two or three uh, massive carriers, the Progressives and the Geicos and the USAAs, which have had a sustained and frankly pretty broad expense ratio advantage, no different than uh, Target and Walmart did uh, over Kmart. And as a result, you know what happened to Kmart. That's put a tremendous amount of pressure on these bigger carriers. And you've seen a sustained separation in the ability of those companies that were moving quickly to succeed versus those that either chose to exit the market or didn't move quickly enough. And I think you'll see that continue to uh, progress over the next uh, 10 years. I think you'll see some solidification. We'll have maybe between uh, five and 10 really big carriers at the top of the market. I think it's probably closer to five would be my guess. Um, yeah. And then you'll see a sustained specialization among carriers that are doing more niche business. And they'll they'll push to be able to distribute those niche products across almost any provider. And so you might have a branded uh, policy through a major carrier with the underlying policy uh, provided by a smaller niche carrier who provides that uh, across many businesses. In my opinion, that might be the case for niche products, no different than you see with travel insurance or ticket insurance. Right. Uh, you, might see, you might see a similar kind of thing with insuring your, uh, your electric scooter or your bike that's worth insuring and so forth, or your golf cart for that matter. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, what really got me was the UM coverage is actually more than the liability coverage. Go <laughs> <laughs> figure that one out. Yep. Yep. I mean, obviously, one of the other challenges we're going to have in this industry, uh, particularly relative to the economy, is does the average consumer have the resources and the marginal resources to buy coverage on things that they should, uh, and whether or not the government enforces? Uh, when it's required to do so. And that'll be a, uh, something for us to figure out because you can't have uh, prices continuing to go up dramatically year after year and right. still expect the average consumer impacted by inflation, impacted by high interest rates, impacted by the cost of living, impacted by whatever economic situation they might have to continue to purchase products if they can't afford them. Absolutely. I mean, if it's a choice between insurance and putting food on the table or paying the mortgage, I mean, something's got to give. And, you know, it's it's a challenge. Uh, you know, I think what here in Florida, we're at about, what, 25 percent of the drivers are uninsured, which something is something like that. It's a difficult number to put your finger on, but it's, yeah. it's not a small number. And one thing I like to point out, especially for people who say, well, we've got to protect the protect the poorest among us. I certainly couldn't agree anymore. I would remind everybody the uninsured driver tends to be the neighbor of the person who's extremely uh, 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 stretched economically, but yeah. rather than give up on the insurance product, it's that stretched person who suffers when they run into their neighbor's car, their neighbor runs into their car. 
And right. so it tends not to be, it's not people living on Jupiter Island that are faced with the uninsured motorist problem. It's right. people living in Hialeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a challenge. Hopefully we can address it at some point, you know, legislatively. I mean, who, who knows? Um, so well, hey, Chris, I, I, I'll point out one thing there. The trial attorneys in this country make a lot of money by raising the minimum limits for insurance. Yes. And they push for that in every state. They've gotten it up to $50,000 in a lot of states. We now have mandatory or, or close to mandatory healthcare in this country in most places. So most Americans who want to get health insurance can get it. it. It's not a matter of being in a car accident. Doesn't mean you don't have health insurance if those aren't covered by car insurance uh, dollars. And so I would offer a solution to you, which is instead of raising the minimum requirements for health ins for auto insurance, consider lowering them, especially on bodily injury and especially for people who have uh, health care uh, coverage. If you have a health care plan, you're complying with the rules. Why not come up with a way to credit your auto insurance? Now, I recognize there's a first and third person issue there, but I would say, hey, what's the point of having Americans buy both auto insurance and health insurance when right. the practical reality is that so many of those things cover similar issues. No, that's that's actually a great point because you, you're right. I mean, most most Americans are covered by health insurance now. And, you know, if you put a law in place whereby, let's say everybody's limits were now 1020 across the country, but it's mandatory coverage, you have to have it. And if you don't have it, there's actually some kind of punishment for not having it. You lose your license, you can't file a, a lawsuit for pain and suffering or, you know, something along along those lines. I think something along the lines of the pain and suffering rule is a great way to address what is fundamentally an economic situation that makes having any insurance unaffordable for the vast majority of people in this country. Remember, uh, one of the largest segments of people in this country are people who buy the minimum limit. Right. And so it, it, too often people think of it as, well, there's these massive lawsuits, quarter million dollar limits, million dollar limit, what, what, what might uh, be the case. You want as a legislator to think about what impacts the most people. And if you add up people who buy the minimum limit with people who don't buy any insurance, you get a pretty substantial portion of the population. Oh, yeah. You're, you're probably, well, I mean, I've heard in Florida that it's around 40% of the drivers on the road are either uninsured or driving around legally with their PD policies, but no liability. That's a sizable chunk of you know the population right there. That's right. That's right. And so if you think about how do you make a product affordable to the average person uh, driving around, you want to make sure that they have probably some coverage, in particular, if they damage the property of the other people. Yep. The question would be, should you unduly burden a $15 an hour worker uh, on the off chance that they hit somebody who has uh, uh, and, and unfortunately a catastrophic injury, I would stop and say um, very few of those are intentional accidents. And again, if we encourage people to have healthcare coverage, their healthcare will cover that. And maybe right. you, uh, maybe there's a way to tie economic damages to, did you have, did you have insurance on yourself to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had some great solutions. I think you and I should take a trip to Tallahassee next legislative session. We, we, will, go, we will go to Tallahassee, and, and I would just add one more thing. Having an unfortunate accident should not be a way to win the lottery. 
And unfortunately, too often, that's that's the way that the trial bar pushes things is, hey, let's let's settle for millions. And I would say those remember, those millions don't come from insurance companies. While that is the pass through, it comes from insurance company customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tim, this has been great. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Uh, You know, for those of you who are listening, who might be interested in being a guest, head on over to secondlook.net and hit the podcast button in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you for listening to Insurance Claims Innovation. Are you interested in being a guest on our show? We would love to have you. Visit us at go.secondlook.net slash podcast dash guest. Please share Insurance Claims Innovation with others on social media and provide rave reviews about our guests. The goal of Insurance Claims Innovation is to showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. Follow us at Insurance Claims Innovation and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Second Look Inc., Interested in learning more? Stop by our website at www.secondlook.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. My name is Chris Tidball, and I hope you found this to be time well spent.